afternoon, everyone. I'm a stranger here. I haven't been here on a Sunday since uh, January 8th, so it's been 11 months. I'm uh, Pastor Skip Murphy, and I, I'm the campus uh, pastor over at, at our extension site. If you didn't know, we have another service. We have a fifth service over there on the west side of the city by Lake, Lake Merced. We, we affectionately call it the Merced Campus. Um, and I've been over there. I got to help pioneer that thing. And so I have been away so long, I'm like a visitor. Um, when I came in this morning, there was uh, an usher who was like, how did you have a key? And what are you doing in this building? Um, so once I talked my way past the guards, I was able to get in here. Um, Pastor Terry is over there. So we did the old switcheroo, and we'll see which campus um, it feels like they got the, the, the better deal. Um, take a vote next week. So I miss them. Uh, I love being here. I miss my latte over there. I must say they have the espresso machine. Um, nonetheless, I do love being here. Uh, although four services, whew, I'm just, uh, I still got some energy left though, because um, we only do one there, although it is quite a uh, production. Now, if you've never been there, we get there pretty early, and uh, by 7.38 in the morning, chairs are flying around, and um, classrooms are getting set up, the media stuff's getting wheeled in, the band's getting set up, we have to set up all the drums and everything, so it's quite a production, but it's been, it's been a lot of fun because I feel like the, um, the community over there, the, we're running about 300 every week, so that's great. We're, it's like um, uh, just a service over here, so we're one of your five services, but um, I feel like the community over there has really grown a lot as I've reflected on the year and we've talked about, I've talked to all the people. They've just said, man, I've really been blessed by being able to help pioneer this thing and get involved and participate. And, and whether they're, uh, you know, whatever it is they're doing over there, they feel like they're, they're a big part of it. Because um, the school, when you get there, as you guys have probably seen schools, looks a little institutional. Um, before we get a hold of it. And then it gets transformed between 7.30 and 10.30 in the morning. And then, of course, we tear it all down at the end of the day. So it's been really neat. It's been a fun year. Um, if you haven't gotten over there, you're welcome to visit. And uh, I'd love to see you. Uh, hopefully, you guys will welcome me back here again to some point. I don't know. It might be another year before I get here. But, um, but anyways... Moving in that direction, this whole theme of how all this participation, all this serving, all this giving that, my, uh, the, that Merced Campus does has been on my heart as I've reflected on the end of the year. I was asked to do a message that, that's it's really the first message of Advent. Um, it's a term we don't use a lot anymore, but Advent really means coming. That's what it literally means, coming. It's uh, Jesus coming, Jesus, uh, the, the birth of Jesus. We're moving into a season uh, where we, we remember that he came, and um, we sort of uh, intentionally approached that. Uh, and so we, we lit the first candle over here. You can hardly see it, but 
That one's lit, and we'll light them each week of the Advent, all four weekends that lead up to Christmas. We light another candle, and then on Christmas Eve, you light that one in the middle, the red one. And, um, and that's kind of a, a church tradition going back for centuries. But, um, but I thought about this. I go, I get to, to do the first sort of Christmas message, this first Advent message is coming, and I'm reflecting on... Wow, you know, it's been such a great year at Merced and, and um, how much people have, have been serving and participating. And then uh, I had a scripture also that I felt like the Lord put on my heart that also spoke to this theme. So everything kind of tied together. And then they, uh, the, uh, Chloe and her team got this um, share the Christmas spirit thing together, which you were given. And so... I'm going to try to wrap all of that stuff up into a, uh, a bow for us and, and talk about those things. But first, I want to pray, and then we'll get going. So, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to, um, to remind ourselves of what you did. Um, Christmas is such a joyous occasion because you came. And I know it may be a struggle for some of us, but when we're reminded of the real reason uh, of the season, it is... Uh, a tremendous blessing. And I hope, Lord, that I can uh, convey what a joyous and wonderful opportunity, uh, a joyous and wonderful uh, event your coming was and is. I mean, it's so beautiful, Lord. You, you did not abandon us or forsake us, but you have drawn near. And we now have access to, to you because of what Christ did, and because he came. And so, Lord, I pray that whatever it is that you want to say today, we would all have ears to hear it. It might be different for all of us, but I know uh, that you want to speak, and I know that everybody that carved out this time to get here in the rain has come to hear. So I pray that you would give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so um, as I said... Um, I, uh, I have this passage in Matthew 20. If you, you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it's in your handout. Um, but I, I was thinking about, you know, why Christmas? What is the real spirit of Christmas? Why did Jesus come? And this is the one that jumped out at me now. There's other passages where Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. I came to bring life and that life more abundantly. And there, there's lots of scriptures like that. But this, this particular one jumped out at me. Um, I'm going to set it up a little bit for you. Uh, we're in, in, uh, just before the event that's going to happen uh, that we'll talk about, Jesus has told his apostles, these disciples, uh, they're not apostles yet, his disciples, the 12 followers, that they're going to go to Jerusalem so he can die. Now, that's a bit of a shock, right? We're going to go, hey, let's pack the bags. Come on. We're going to go up to Jerusalem so I can die. So we're approaching what is, you know, traditionally the Easter week uh, in this part of the handout. And I don't think any of the apostles really believed he was going to die. But at the same time, two of them, John and James, they decide, well, just in case Jesus is, is right and he does die, um, whatever position we wanted to secure, whatever sort of promotion we're looking for, we might want to get after that right now. 
And so before they, they head up to Jerusalem, they sort of put this, this plot together uh, to see, uh, to, to try to secure a position of prominence. And so like all of us, uh, whenever you want to raise or a promotion or something from your boss, you send in your mother. <laughs> so, I mean, who doesn't, right? So uh, John and James, they send in their mother, and it says here that the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons, and she knelt respectfully, and she wanted to ask a favor. Well, what's your request, Jesus replied. And she said, in your kingdom, let my sons... Uh, sit in the places of honor next to you, one in your right hand, one in your left hand. So when you get to glory and the, the you know, heaven and whatever this, uh, uh, this looks like, I need you to sort of, you know, one of my, my sons needs to be your right-hand man, and one of them needs to, to be the left-hand man. I don't really, I'm not too worried about which one's which, just so long as they're the two that get these preeminent positions. So this is a, you know, stunning request, right? I mean, we're talking, <laughs> okay, God, um, can I be, get the highest position in heaven? Um, Jesus says, you know what, you don't really know what you're asking, and, and of course, uh, the, the sons don't, John and James, they don't wait for mom to reply. They just say, oh, yeah, yeah, we know. We know what we're getting into. And he says, no, I don't think you, you do. Are you able to drink this bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? And he's, he's talking about going to the cross and dying. And again, they're like, yeah, we're in. Whatever it is, we're in. And, um, you know, I'm sure he's chuckling to himself a little bit because of their naivete uh, about what's really going on, but he says, you know what, nevertheless, indeed, you will drink the bitter cup of suffering I have for you because you're both, they don't know this yet, but they're both going to die martyrs. And, um, uh, you know, well, at least one of them. And, neither, and one of them's going to suffer. So, the, they're both got, they both don't have great things cut out for them uh, at the end of the road, although, I mean, it, they'll be with the Lord in glory. So. But they have no idea how much suffering they're going to have to suffer, and that's the point. He says, you know what, you will, you will suffer for my name's sake. Um, you, even though you, you guys have no idea what you're talking about, you're actually, you're actually are going to suffer. And so he goes on, he says... Um, uh, I have no right to say who sits on my right or my left. My father prepared those places um, and for the ones he has chosen. But now, the other ten, they get wind of this, right? And they're, they're going, wait a minute. And I can see Peter, because Peter's not usually gun-shy. I can see Peter going, wait, who's getting the right-hand position uh, I think I'm the leader of this band here. And so now we've got a full-blown sort of argument going on about who's the best and who deserves to sit at Jesus' right hand and left hand. And, I mean, it gives me comfort to know that the 12 that Jesus picked were kind of like us. A um, little selfish and kind of naive. Um, and so while this argument's going on, Jesus steps in. In verse 25, he says... 
you know, the rules of this world, they lord it over their people. And the officials, they flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it's going to be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. And we get to verse 28, and this is the verse I I had on my heart. This is why I, I chose this passage, because this is Jesus saying why he came. And uh, I felt like there's a lot for us to sort of glean from this, this one particular verse, verse 28. And so in verse 28, uh, it says, Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his, uh, and to give his life away as a ransom for many. So in the time we have left, I want to focus on a few things that, that you could pull out of just this one verse about why Jesus came. And then I'm going to call it the, the spirit of Christmas because that's uh, the theme of our, our, our giving book. That's the theme of the message. That's the theme of, I think, why Jesus is saying, here's why I came. So it's sort of the spirit of Christmas. And this is not obviously an exhaustive list of why Jesus came, but it's the one God put on my heart and so I want to just dig into this one verse and see uh, uh, a few things that God kind of underlined for me uh, and see if they don't hit home for us. And so the first one, the first reflection that I was thinking about was the fact that he came. I mean, he showed up. God is present. Um, he, for me, I don't know if, how you were raised, but for me, I was raised in a, in a way where I knew something about God. I had some concepts of what, what God, uh, you know, was supposed to be. Uh, I heard some stories. I knew a few biblical stories, you know, Noah's Ark. I mean, most of us heard that one. Um, but I, I never really was taught that God is present, that he is here with us, that he is, he's actually approachable. To me, he was distant. He was, he was unapproachable. He was, you know, this omnipotent thing that just was out there and sort of um, you needed to fear him. Um, and one day we would all have to answer to him, um, but couldn't really be known, wasn't really uh, a part of your life. Uh, and what Jesus is saying, this, I mean, the, the fact that he says he came, that's a big deal. I mean, he didn't have to come, right? This is, this is the, the Lord. This is, the, this is God. We're saying Jesus came, okay? He took on the frailty of a human body so that he could participate in our existence and give us life. He came to die. It says, I came to give my life away as a ransom to many. That's a big deal. I mean, it's what Christmas is all about. Jesus shows up. God shows up in Jesus, and we have access to his presence. God shows up for us. And I, you know, I never, I never knew that I, when I was, you know, young. I just, that was not a concept that, that, that I could get my head around. Um, I, I know this much, um, you know, being present matters. 
how many of us have come from homes where one or, or both pa parents weren't there, or they, you know, they were there but not there? Um, you know, I, presence matters. I love my dad very much. Um, he passed away probably 10 years ago. Um, he was a really good provider. Uh, he worked hard. He was probably a workaholic. But I never knew him. You know, he wasn't there. He, didn't, he wasn't present. He, wasn't, he didn't show up. Uh, I can remember my family vacations when we were young, and most of us remember family vacations when we're young. And we'd go to this, um, we'd go to my grandparents, my mom's parents on uh, the beach. They lived on the beach, down Imperial Beach, which is Southern California, uh, south, even south of San Diego. And um, we'd just spend three weeks on the, the beach every summer. It was a great time. My cousins were down there, and we loved going. And as I reflected on this message and thinking about you know, my father being present, the reason I tell the story is I can't remember once my dad ever being there. So even though my, my parents were not um, uh, apart, my father really was never there. And, um, you know, you think all those vacations, all those years, you would think at least once I would remember him being on a family vacation, and that's not the case. And some of us, I know, uh, have it even a lot worse. Some of, uh, in some of our cases, we never even had the parent. And so being presence matters. It matters in, in, in our lives. I, I know for, I try to compensate probably for that with my own children, because I just spend a ton of time with them. I love to be with my children. Um, I love to be with children, period. But of course, since they're my children, I love to be with them more. Um, the fact that they're the best children in the world doesn't hurt either. But this is just, I mean, it's an unbiased opinion. But, um, but I, I, you know, I do. I love being with my children. But I, I also go out of my way to be present because my father wasn't. I, I remember um, the first time I really actually spent time with my dad was when I was like 18 because at that point in life I started to work for, for the company he was part of and then after work I could go to the bar and have drinks with him. Uh, I was a little underage. Um, but uh, you know, then all of a sudden, I'm spending time with dad. Now, it's dysfunctional and it's unhealthy. But at least I was spending time with dad. I mean, I, I remember saying, oh, this is great. I, get, I mean, I'm, I don't think I've ever spent time with dad. You know, and so um, that, I just feel like this whole idea of being present and, and showing up is such a big deal. I want to dig in and do it a little further. I remember when I came in to the church. Now, part of the problem is when you start drinking at 18, it usually doesn't lead to good things. Um, but when I came into the church, I had hit what the recovery places call bottom. Um, my, my, my drinking, my, my drug addictions, the things that the dysfunctions I had uh, had sort of uh, reached a, a pinnacle. I had lost everything. Uh, I was technically sleeping out of my car. 
I had um, problems with the law. I had problems with, I uh, lost my home, all that kind of stuff. So I'm at this, this at my job, and I'm in this place where I'm, I'm pretty um, beaten down. And I come to Cornerstone, it's 1994, and I, I, I sense something. I don't really know what it is. I mean, now I know it's God's presence, right? But I sense something that feels to me like, wow, this is peaceful. This is fulfilling. This is rewarding. This is something I haven't felt. I've been searching, but I haven't really felt this before. And so I, I begin to, like any good addict, um, you know, go after that high, as it were, and I keep coming back. Um, and there was a point in time when I decided to get baptized, about nine months after I'd been here, I said, I had gone through the classes, and they said, well, if you're going to, you know, be a Christian, you, you should be baptized. And uh, I said, okay, I'll do that. And so they were teaching me that, that, you know, when you decide to follow Jesus, Jesus will be with you. He, he'll be, you know, you, you invite him in and he's there. And, and this is now we're conflicting with my concept of God, who's just sort of out there, right? And, um, and I said, okay. And they said, so what I want you to do is, you know, after, you know when you're getting baptized, you just invite invite God into your life, and, and then we'll, we'll pray for you afterwards, and we'll pray that, that um, you know, God draws near to you. And the Bible says that he will draw near to those who draw near to him. And so this is what happened, and I remember getting, I got baptized in the tub that, that was right there that we tore out a couple weeks ago, or a couple months ago, I guess now. And, um, and uh, afterwards... I'm down here, front row, and I uh, got a couple people praying for me, and all of a sudden, God showed up, right? I mean, just like he said, I, I came. He came. He came in a way I'll never be able to um, deny his existence or the fact that he is real because he showed up. He showed up in a way that, that just floored me, and... I probably spent two hours here on the ground just soaking in his presence. Um, we sang about it, right? You know, we love, we love. I, okay, I won't sing. <laughs> I'd like to, but. Um, we love your presence. We love your presence. And I can sing that with all my heart because I remind myself of these times when the Lord has been so near to me that I feel this peace that passes all understanding. I feel this weight of glory, this joy, this um, almost euphoria that is the touch of the hand of God. And God is present. God came and he still comes. And that was a shift for me. And maybe some of you have never felt that shift. Maybe you've, you, God is still a concept and not somebody you actually have a relationship with, somebody who is present and near, a very, a very real help in times of trouble. Um, you know, God says, you know, open the door, let me in. I'll come in. I'll be there. I'll be there. And, you know, 
He is a very present help in times of trouble. He is very near. And he's, he's close. He's closer than you think. And he is present. So this, this, I mean, I'm telling you my story, and for every one of us that knows the Lord, we all have uh, different times, different seasons where we feel the Lord's presence in different ways. But this particular time, for me, that was my turning point. I can tell you that after that, I had been, you know, the nine months I had been here had been sort of the, what I call the white-knuckle uh, sobriety of counting every single hour, then counting every day, then, um, you know, just, just trying to get by, friends calling people. It, it was just a struggle. And after that, I stopped counting. The Lord's presence did something in my life that freed me up and changed me forever. I can never go back. I can't ever go back to what I was because it, it would be, you know, I go, I would have to deny what happened to me. I would have to deny what happened to me to ever go back to what I was. There's just no way. And that, so, I mean, God being here is a big deal. This is what Christmas is about. God came in Christ for you, for me, for us. He showed up. He is present. And for some of us, maybe that's all you need to hear out of this message. He's available. He's, a pre he's present. And we have access to him. Now, for, for others of us who maybe have, have felt his presence, there's still more in this passage that I think um, uh, that we can reflect on. Um, he came, but he also what? He came not to be served, but to serve. And so, secondly, he came to, he came to serve. That's, I mean, it's another shocking example of, uh, of how we put God in a box. I mean, would any of us have said that the Lord would come in such a way that he put us first? That God wants to put us first. I mean, I thought about it, I go, if anyone had the right to come and say, okay, everybody, line up, bow down, and, um, and serve me, it would be the Lord. But that's not what happened. He says, no, I came not to be served, I came to serve you. And he does it all the time. You read the scriptures, everywhere he goes, he's interruptible, he's doing things for people, they need things, he does it. You know, they need to be fed. He loaves and fishes. They need this. I mean, he just, he, he dons the attire of a slave and washes uh, his, his disciples' feet. I mean, they're, they're his followers. He's the master. And he's washing their feet. I mean, what an example he sets. And he says, I do this because I'm setting an example for you. Right? I mean, even in the passage we read, he says, if you want to be a leader, you're going to have to first learn how to be a slave. You got to be a servant. You got to put other people before you. I mean, it's a it goes against our, you know, our the way we sort of think about things that the most prestigious person always gets served. Jesus says, "No, no. You really want to be a big shot, you better make yourself small." Um When I 
first came in, I obviously knew nothing about the Bible, didn't know what ministry was, didn't know how to get involved, serve, whatever. Uh, obviously, because of my background, I come in here and I'm going, Lord, I don't have any, where am I going to serve? What do I have to give, <laughs> right? Um, I'm pretty needy. And I felt like God said, no, you, serve, you get when you, when you give. You need to get involved. And so for me, I jumped in wherever I could. I started serving. I mean, I jumped in. I did roadie, moving the guitars around during the breaks. Um, and then I dropped one and got fired. And then, you know, I, I did parking. And then I did ushering. I did, I, I did and still do lighting. I did, I mean, I've done, I've done it all. I remember doing children. I did the, I taught the children, which was interesting. At that time, the children were actually in this connection center right over here. And uh, so the only thing between the, the sound of the children playing and the service was that door. Um, and we only had one service, so it was quite interesting uh, trying to keep you know, 25, 30 kids from making noise uh, that were right there. It didn't go so well, so we moved them upstairs. But nonetheless, here I am. I know nothing, right? I had to go out and buy a Bible because I don't own one. And, um, and I'm supposed to teach the kids. Now, in the class are Pastor Terry's kids, um, some of the other pastor's kids, right? They know the Bible inside and out. And I know nothing, right? So I'm the teacher. Uh, it was, it was uh, interesting, to say the least. But he, here's the deal. You know, God just used me. He, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you know or who you are. You think you have nothing to give. God says, no, you, you just jump in. I'll use you. Um, and believe me, he used me, and he used the kids to teach me. You know, I mean, I, I learned all the Bible stories I'd never heard because uh, I went to Sunday school when I was 40. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was a great way for me to learn. It was fantastic. It was where I belonged, really, the beginner 101. Um, so, but those are just, I mean, I'm reflecting on my own period of growth. But as a pastor, I hear it all the time. Well, yeah, I'd love to serve, but I don't have, you know, what can I do? I can't do anything. I got nothing to give. And, and, that, and the Lord is just saying, no, no. In every situation, his, your attitude should be, you know what? I came not to be served, but to serve. How can I help out? What can I do? You know, what, where, whatever it is. I might learn something. Other people might be blessed by my service. It, it's just a principle. It's how the Lord works. It goes against the, the way we think. But um, it's beautiful. So... You know, maybe for some of us, we need to be reminded that God is present. He is available. He showed up. For others of us, maybe he's asking us to be present, to show up, to be available. I don't know. Um, you know, I was reminded of uh, the, uh, uh, the scripture we, we hear oftentimes around Christmas in, in Isaiah. You know, it says... Uh, uh, in your handout, Isaiah 7 says, The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and we will call him what? Emmanuel. 
God with us. God is with us. So for some of us, maybe we need to learn that God is available and with us, and for others of us, we just need to be available. We need to be, we need to be the ones that show up and be present. That's really what serving is. It doesn't matter whether you have all the gifts and talents to do something. Sometimes it's just showing up. So the two kind of fit together, serving and showing up and being a part. Thirdly, um, the passage tells us that he came to give his life away as a ransom for many. Now, obviously, we're talking about giving here. Jesus gave it, he gave his life away. He gave it all. I doubt very much any of us are going to be asked to give to die for Jesus. But maybe there's something God wants us to give a part of our life that he wants us to give away. You know, we work for things. We put in time. We put in effort. We, 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 we spend a part of our life earning. When we give that away, we're giving part of ourselves away. We only have so much time. So when we show up and we're present, we do something to serve other people, we're giving a part of our life away. I don't know what it is. Um, I think there's going to be a, just tons of opportunities this season. I just feel it in my heart. I mean, even besides the handout we gave you, there's tons of opportunities to, to be part of something, to serve, to give. Uh, I was reminded when we watched the video of how much I have. I go, wow, Lord, you know, I mean, sometimes I, I forget. I'm so insulated against what, what it looks like to be in a real poverty area uh, and how much I really have. I mean, I really can give more because I have so much. I have so much. And so whether it's, it's giving uh, our time, uh, giving our resources, um, giving... Um, giving things, uh, uh, you know, giving our, ourselves to something, some, some cause. It, it doesn't matter. Giving is, is giving. It's, it's a part of you is you give away. You can say, I'm going to hold on to this. Um, I want it all for myself. Or you could say, you know what, God, I'm never going to have to give my whole life, but I'm going to give this little part of my life away, whether it's my time or my finances, whatever it is. And so there's, I mean, this is, I just feel like this is the spirit of Christmas. I feel like it's what God put on my heart to say. There's ways to serve. There's ways to give and there's ways to be present and show up and to be part of something. Now, what it is for all of you, you're going to have to pray about that and figure that out on your own. Obviously, we gave you the handout this week uh, sharing the Christmas spirit because these are the ways that Cornerstone um, these are the, the ministries we've partnered with, we've hand-chosen, we've done a lot of work to find out what they're about and what they do. We believe in, their, in what they do and their causes. Um, there's opportunities to serve in here. There's opportunities to give in here. There's tremendous opportunities. But this isn't all, I mean, this isn't, the, the message isn't just, oh, here, find this book and do something. The message is, you know, what is the Christmas spirit God wants to call out in you? 
I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is for you. I'm getting a sense of what it is for me. I feel like, you know, um, it has to do with, with me showing up for something um, and being, being present because, you know what? Every time we're present, we're not always present. And so sometimes maybe God's just asking us to be more present when we're actually there. And uh, I think there's a little bit of that in it for me. But there's also, I mean, there's so many opportunities. I don't know. It's a, it's a blessing to think about how we can model the Lord. He said, here's what I did. I came, I came to serve, and I came to give. And if we want to be more Christ-like, then I think we need to learn to show up, be present, to give, and to serve. And it's going to look different for all of us, but Christmas is, there's no better season. There's no better season to jump in and try something or, or to, get, you know, to give your, your life away in some way. Um, tremendous opportunities out there all Christmas long. And so pray about it, think about it, see what the Lord has for you. I, as I said earlier, the people at Merced who have spent this year just giving and serving have grown tremendously. So there's a, to me, it's a double blessing. You get to do it for other people, get to, be, get to model what the Lord is like, and I believe that you also get blessed. So, all right, we're going to close with one more song that's going to kind of wrap this up. It's, got a little, it's going to talk about this whole theme. And, uh, but before, before we do that, I'm going to pray, and then we'll have the ushers come down, and, and we'll have our time and opportunity to give. So, Lord, thank you. I thank you for this season. Uh, Lord, it is uh, the first, first Sunday of Advent. It's uh, an opportunity to take all four weeks moving up, four weekends moving towards uh, Christmas, and embrace them and say, Lord... In this season, I want to get all, all of it, all that you have for me out of this season. I want to approach Christmas uh, not just as a day to be celebrated, but as a season where you can really, um, where I can understand better how much you showed up, how present you, how available you are, and I can model that to others by showing up, being present, giving and giving of myself, maybe serving in some capacity. But I pray that you would reveal to us what, how, it, how that's supposed to happen in each of our lives. For everyone, it's going to be different. We need uh, to hear the still, small voice of the Lord that will tell us what you have for us this season. Help us, Lord, really embrace this season and give even just a small part of our lives away. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.